Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to this episode of A Visit to the Mound. I'm Lark Smith, and he is Stan Huff. Today, our guest is a member of the College Baseball Hall of Fame and one of less than two dozen ball players who were part of teams that won both the College World Series and the Major League Baseball World Series. After collecting a College World Series ring with the Texas Longhorns, Keith Moreland was drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies in 1975 and over a 12-year Major League career, also played for the Cubs, Padres, Tigers, and Orioles. Keith, thanks so much for joining us today for a visit to the mound. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Lark, it's always good to talk to you. We've known each other quite a long time. Yes, we have. Of course, this isn't your first visit to the mound. You spent a lot of your career catching for both the college level and the big leagues level. Which pitcher did you catch that you felt like had the best stuff, either college or pro? Oh, my. You know, that is an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, I caught Ferguson Jenkins, no question, but the slider from Steve Carlton probably was the best individual pitch that, that I'd, I'd seen. I mean, of course, w- when I played, they, the radar guns were prevalent, but nobody threw the ball 100 miles an hour. But to have a breaking <laughs> ball that would be in the you know upper 80s, it, it had such a devastating bite to it and uh, – it, it, it was a pitch. It was even. It, it took me a while to figure out how to catch it. I would, I would catch it sometimes and get a ball call that I thought was a strike, and it was the way I was going about catching it. That's how difficult a pitch it was. So, I would think Steve Carlson's slider is probably number one, and then the other one that would jump off the page to me is that you could catch and any baseball person has heard this term before. You could catch Ferguson Jenkins with a pair of tweezers. He had impeccable control. I mean, yeah, you he, call fastball away, it was going to be away. And he worked fast, too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Get the ball and go. <laughs> uh, you know, he said, you call the game, and I, I'm not going to shake. And that's the other thing. A guy's in the Hall of Fame, you would think he would shake, but he would, you know, we would go over the hitters before the game and say, hey, this is how I'm going to attack this guy. I'm not going to attack this guy. He'd even tell me, he said, this guy's not beating me. So, you know, I knew then that if I threw off fastball away, the chances of it being just off the plate for a ball were very good. And if we did that three or four times in a row and he walked, so be it. I'll get the next guy because he made decisions on this guy. No, he's not going to beat me. You know, I, I, the perfect example was that was uh, there was a guy named George Foster. If, if there's baseball fans out there to remember that, oh, yeah. the, you oh, know, yeah. one of the first guys to hit 50 home runs and, and, uh, 
Uh, you know, Fergie and I are going through the deal. You got Bench, uh, you, you know, you got Rose, you got all these guys that were going over. And he looked at me and says, George Foster's not beating me. He says, you know, I can get JB out, you know, eating. And a lot of people didn't. But Fergie says, you know, I, I seem to have pretty good luck to him. But uh, I'm not messing with George Foster. So if you call fastball away, it's not going to be a strike. <laughs> yeah. Ferguson Jenkins was uh, one of our previous episodes. And he was talking about how how fast he worked and how much he didn't like the pitch clock. What do you think about the pitch clock now? I'm a traditionalist, Lark. I, 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 I really believe that uh, that we've, we've gone on way. Bigger bases, we're changing the, 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 the dimensions of the game. I mean, I'm, I'm going off on another track, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't feel like <laughs> that there's any use to having a pitch clock. I'm just uh, – I'm an old traditionalist. Get the ball and go. Now, I have to admit – there's one term that changed in 73 in the American League and just uh, four, five, six years ago in the National League uh, about having a full-time designated hitter. Uh, so I think that has slowed the game down a little bit. So it's, that part has made it different. Uh, uh, and that's the reason that you see pitchers delaying a little bit because they don't have that guy in the lineup. Or a guy hit Nate, if he gets on, you're going to have a one-pitch bunt by the pitcher, get him to second base, and it speeds the game up. It's just there's a lot of things that have slowed it down, but I'm against the pitch clock. I agree with you. And putting the DH in the National League is really upset. As far as well, coaching and managing too. goes, I mean, you, you, you haven't got a you, – you don't – are you doing is – there's no strategy. Yeah, well, I like the fact that there was a difference between the National and the American League myself. Oh, uh, yeah, guys, a uh, perfect example. Uh, very important. And anybody that is the historian of the game can tell you how important for managers a bench coach was to to make sure that he knew how many players he had left on his bench, who could pinch hit, who not to pinch hit, who do I have to have to stay back if I need an extra catcher, those kind of things. It it took a lot of strategy out of the game. There's no reason to have a bench coach now in in the game. A a manager can keep up with everything because he's not going to overuse his players. The only thing he might need is, is for sure is a pitching coach to say, hey, this guy's thrown two days in a row. You can't use him. Uh, but there's very little strategy going on. I remember times uh, with guys. I played for Sparky Anderson. You mentioned the teams I played for. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, just a quick story about strategy. Uh, Sparky came to me uh, at the beginning. of uh, When I came over, he pretty much said, hey, we've got a pretty set lineup here. Uh, not sure uh, where you're going to fit in and whatever. Uh, so I was coming off the bench, and, and, and instead of playing every day, I played every day for nine consecutive years. Before the end of the month of April, I was playing every day again. But he wasn't sure how to plug me in, and he came to me one time and he said, if this guy pitches in the sixth, seventh inning and he comes in, uh, I'm going to pitch hit you here. You just be ready. And sure enough, it got to, we were in tight game. It got to the seventh inning. And I saw he looked down and you ready to go. And I had my gloves on and then I said, I cannot believe that this guy figured out two and a half hours before the game where he was going to use me and how to, how to prepare me to be ready for that, that particular advancement. Those kind of things are, are gone because you just don't have, uh, you don't have the strategy in the game. You put nine guys out there and pretty much they play that game and then the next day you put nine more out there yeah that kind of forethought though uh to tell a player okay you're going to be you're going to be coming in at this time gives that player to uh, opportunity to really prepare instead of just dropping in his lap right before it happens oh yeah i mean you you can go back uh 
uh, get yourself good and loose, especially in some of those games in April uh, and into May up north. Uh, you know, it's, it's 40 degrees and you're, you, you, you can't get any sweat going and get ready to go, but that gives you a chance to get underneath and do well, some swings, true. maybe run, and when you, you pop out and get ready to go hit, you've got a, at least an idea because the toughest job, and without a doubt, in all of, of baseball to me is pinch hitting. Uh, you got pitchers and catchers and everybody else has been out there warmed up and you're coming in cold, hadn't seen a pitch, don't know where the umpire strike zone is, and here you go. I agree. Jump in there and let's play. I definitely agree with that. Keith, I want to take you back to your college days. Now, I'll admit that I became a college baseball fan by listening to Longhorn games on the radio during the days that Cliff Gustafson was the head coach. I learned a lot about baseball just listening to games coached by Coach Gus. Can I can't imagine how much you may have learned about the game playing for Cliff Gustafson. You know, Lark, you, 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 it, it is so true, and it, it, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, we lost him this year. Very difficult to say goodbye. Uh, but where we it started is when he came, you came in and you started playing for him uh, he, he, every single day. First of all, nobody was ever going to outwork your team. Uh, we didn't have the 20-hour uh, rule during the week, and so we worked out for 12.30 to dark every day because we were at Old Clark Field, which had a dead gum uh, uh, brick wall, or not brick, <laughs> it, rock Billy, wall. Billy Goat Hill. In the middle of the outfield, and we were really good as a team at going and getting that ball when it got up there. That's another story. But uh, nobody could outwork us. We didn't have lights, so we worked till dark every day. Uh, so nobody was going to outwork you. And then during practice and during inter-squads, if something went on, he would stop and he would have everybody's attention. He says, this is how you have to approach this. He gave so many different people opportunities. There's so many coaches, not only guys that got to go to the play. I, I was one of the fortunate ones got to go play in the big leagues, but the Lord blessed me with that. But some of the others are out coaching, some of them like a David Denny, and guys like that have won more games than anybody in high school baseball history because they've gone out and they've used those same concepts and ideas about the game of baseball that Cliff uh, brought to you. I mean, he was very big on uh, you do little things, little things turn into W's. And, boy, I tell you what, it, it was very true. Well, you've not only been involved in college baseball and major league baseball, but the last several years you've been involved in the broadcast of the Little League Southwest Regional Tournament as part of the Longhorn Network. Just how much fun is that? Uh, it's, it's the best thing, Lark. It's interesting you ask that question. I, I, my wife asked me the other day, she says, Keith, you've done a lot of things. you broadcast in the big leagues. Uh, you, you played in the big leagues. I, you, I've, done, I've done seven national championship games in two sports. But the, still the most fun that I have each and every year is coming to Waco, coming out to Marvin Norcross Stadium and spending time and watching kids play with such emotion uh, and, and what they do. And it is amazing how talented they are. Guys that may never play one day in college, may not play one day in, in professional ball, uh, but their passion to go play, it is so much fun to do. And two years ago, we had one of the most compassionate things I've ever seen. We had a young man from Oklahoma with a, a, another man, uh, another young man was pitching and could throw really hard, hit him, and it looked like it hit him right in the face, but it actually caught the bill of the cat, of the helmet. Mm-hmm. He went to first base, and he saw that the pitcher was just distraught. He thought he had really hurt the, this other player. He didn't want – that wasn't his intention or whatever. 
And the young man from first base took a slow walk to the mound, just put his arm around him and said, man, I know you didn't do it on purpose. It was one of the most uh, sportsmanship. It's a piece that I will never forget until I go to my grave. That was memorable. Unbelievable. I got to imagine your connection with Little League. You probably go ahead and watch the World Series and all that. Did you enjoy this year's World Series? I, I, I enjoy each and every year. I, I, yes, I watch as much as you can. I mean, obviously it goes on with the international play and the American play. I was rooting for Needville uh, very hard this year. Yep. I, I loved a lot of those young guys. And what a, a miracle story. How about a walk-off to win the whole thing? That is uh, just incredible. Uh, I know, actually came out of my yeah, chair. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> I actually came out of my chair. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, it was just uh, – and and and, and Larkin knows this because I've seen him over there many times. My, I, both of my parents are unbelievable They're in their late eighties. They can still get around pretty good. They did not come this year because there was so much heat. But usually, uh, my mom and dad come down because they enjoy it and, and still watch it. And and my dad, my phone was ringing the instant the ball left the ballpark, and it was my dad. He was just going crazy. At home too. So <laughs> it, 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 it was it, it was such a uh, I mean, obviously he was rooting for the Southwest, the, the Needville team, but uh, you know he's he was rooting. Uh, you know he's he, he's old school USA. He was rooting for an American team. Absolutely, yeah. that little league gig, gig keeps you busy. What else are you doing after you retired from baseball? Well, you know, I, 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 when I first retired from the game, I, I went back and got my degree. It was one of the most difficult things I did. I'd been 16 years away from being in school, so I went back, got my degree from the University of Texas, and uh, I, I went on staff with, with, with Coach Gus when they had a, a term, and, and Lark, you were around it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a term called Limited Earnings Coach, and it, it fit me pretty good. And then the NCAA took that away, and when they did uh, – I, I, I looked at Cindy. I said, you know, I'd love to stay in this industry. Cindy's my wife, and but I, we love Austin. And, and uh, you know, for me to get a job, there was only really, really one college job in town. And Clint Austin had that. So yeah. there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't a really a job. I, w- I was offered a couple of jobs uh, to, to go other places, but we decided not to move. So uh, when that happened, I uh, got into building some homes. I uh, I had my own home building company. And about that time, uh, uh, the voice, of, now the voice of the San Antonio Spurs is a, a, a guy named Bill Schoening. Mm-hmm. He was from uh, Philadelphia. He had been there when I was in the World Series. And he said, Keith, I think you would be great on the radio. And I listened to the first couple. I still have those tapes. God, I was god awful. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not good at my job. Well, but you got it a lot better. something became a it became a passion. I, I tried to really work at it. Uh, and like I said, since then, as a broadcaster, I've been doing it now 27 years. Uh, I've uh, done three national championship football games, won one of them. Uh, I've done four national final series in the College World Series, uh, won t- two of those four. Uh, so I've had the great opportunity now to, to work for ESPN and they send me all over the country and doing different things. And, and this time of the year, I get turned a little bit because I came to the University of Texas on a football scholarship. So I get turned and I do a high school package now every Thursday night uh, on television here locally where we do the Central Texas game of the week. And then on the weekends, I work for ESPN and might be sent anywhere to do a college football game. So I I, I love what I do. I get the opportunity to stay in sports. It keeps me young and, and 
vibrant, and uh, I love doing it. Well, that brings up another subject. Uh, you mentioned that you, we were, mentioned you work for the Longhorn Network, and the Longhorns are about to join the SEC. What happens to the Longhorn Network? The Longhorn Network, as of June 1st, I don't think it's any, any surprise anybody will uh, go away. Uh, at this point, I have not heard whether the parent company in Bristol, uh, uh, Connecticut, will use the linear network to add an SCC Plus or another channel. Uh, but as far as the, the, the Longhorn Network, it, it is... It is closing its doors on June 1st. It will be its last broadcast. Will be our final series uh, next year uh, at home in, base, in college baseball. It'll be a three-game series. That'll be the last thing that they 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 put on. It, it's sort of sad, it, but it it it, uh, it was something that uh, unique at the time. And you got to I got to tip my cap to the Loft Dodds, the athletic director for longtime athletic director here for the old, and his vision to uh, go and, and, and get this done. And, and, you know, it was something that, uh, you know, a lot of people in the league, the, the Big 12, uh, were sad about. But on the backside, there's a lot of fans that I have gotten contact, sent me notes that from other schools throughout the Big 12. So it's so great to turn on and, and see the Red Raiders or the Bears or, or the Horn Frogs in town playing the Longhorns and having all three games on the air and having – guys did professionally because I, I I will tell you that I don't think that you can listen to Greg and our broadcast and say that we're homers. So that's not our, that's not our job. We were trying to, to put it out there as best we can each and every time. Absolutely. Keith, let's back up a minute. All right, so when you're playing in, uh, I guess, the minor leagues, did you go – did you play winter ball in uh, Twice. the Caribbean? Uh, the first year I went to Puerto Rico – to Bayamon, Puerto Rico, uh, the, the very first year, just because they said, hey, we didn't get you signed quick enough because I was almost coming back to school to play football and baseball. Then uh, finally, they uh, a guy that is my baseball father uh, is Dallas, was Dallas Green. God bless his soul. He's, we've lost him. But, uh, you know, he, he was the farm director, and I was trying to deal with out and I said, well, I'll just go back and do it. So I called uh, Coach Royal and Coach Gus, and they both said, oh yeah, absolutely, you can come back. And uh, so I was made the decision to come back to school, and all of a sudden they they got the money up to a, to a number that I told them what I wanted, and uh, Dallas Green was came to my house, and I signed a contract, and so I didn't play very long because my wife and I were going to get married, and on August thirtieth, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, yeah. <laughs> it will be. Uh, a few years, forty-eight. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know what? You know what to say. You know what to put that number out there. Yeah, Cindy's not in the room, is she? <laughs> no, she's not here. But uh, she wouldn't my mind. But uh, I, I remembered what number it was. Anyway, uh, so I, I, that winter or that time, I went to instructional league because I, I really was a third baseman and all through college, and they kept looking at me and said, "You know, we think that your position." We know you can hit, and we think we can get you to the big leagues. We want to get you behind the plate. So I went to an instruction league and then to winter ball, and pitchers got used to seeing my numbers. I went back to the screen to get the ball. So <laughs> it was a struggle for me to learn. I had never caught much in my life, ever. And uh, so then I came back the next year, had a good year offensively. I was struggling a little bit defensively. So I went to the instruction league, and I said, look, 
I, I don't want to go to winter ball. And then the next year in 77, after catching all year in Oklahoma City, I, I went to Maracaibo, Venezuela, and caught 80 games down there. And that got me to the big leagues. That put me on the radar to the big club because I, I kept working and kept working and, and finally became a guy that was not a <laughs> – not a liability behind the plate, but a guy that could, could help us behind the plate along with swing. You got the there. You so did a great it, job. You did a great and that job. Was the, definitely. That was the that was the point that the transition time for me. I mean, you know, you look up and you feel like you're a pretty good offensive player, and there's a guy in the big league that's only four and a half years older than you. He's already got 170 home runs. Named Mike Schmidt. I'm not going to play third base. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we want to thank you for being with us today for a visit to the mound uh, best of luck for the rest of your career and i know you're getting ready for football season what do you got up coming up this uh, in very near future well in very near future uh we've got a really good thursday night game between uh, pflugerville weiss and lbj austin lbj one of the better two teams this is a 4a 6a yep. matchup but lbj will play with them yep uh, that's my game this week and then as the year goes on, I think I go to Indiana. I have a Purdue game. I have a two or three Texas State games. I've got the University of Texas and Texas Tech the day after uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. So they, I'm 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 all over the place trying to do a little high school football and a little, uh, which is I sort of like little league. It's a passion of mine because it's there's nothing more fun than Texas high school football. Absolutely, Keith. Again, thank you very much for your he, time today. Sure, enjoyed the video. You got Keith. it. You guys take care. All right. That's our time for this episode of A Visit to the Mound. Many thanks to our special guest today, Keith Moreland, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comment or anything you would like for us to cover, we would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Visit to the Mound or go to our website, avisittothemound.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast and be listening the next time we make A Visit to the Mound. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of A Visit to the Mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.